There was a young man who was packing his suitcase. He was going on a trip. His friend entered the room and seeing that he was, his suitcase was almost full, he had it sitting on the floor there or on the bed. And then the one who was leaving on that trip, he said, well, I'm just about packed. All I have to do yet is put in a map, a guidebook, a compass, a mirror, a telescope, a microscope, a hammer, a volume of poetry, a few biographies, a songbook, a set of devotional bo- books, and the history book that I've been reading. The man's friend looked down at his suitcase and he said, how are you going to do that? It's full. There's only a small spot left. And so he pulled out his 3 by 5 Bible and he stuck it in the suitcase and he closed it and he says, there, the Bible contains all these. What would we have done? We would have pulled out our iPhone and we would have put it in there. Because everything we need is right here, right? I want to talk to you and to myself this morning. And uh, when when I speak very often, it is something that I wrestle with. It is something that I struggle with. And so very often when I share, it is not something that I have victory over or that I, I say that, I am, that, I, that I'm perfect at it. But we want to talk about the value or the importance of God's Word. I think it was Plato who said this. Plato, he said, I've read a lot of great books. There's many awesome books out there, good biographies and everything. But there is no book like the Word of God. He says, there is no book that says to me, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There is no book like that, except the Word of God. And Paul in Colossians, he says, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. The Word of Christ, the living Word. But we come to know the living Word through the written Word. And so primarily this morning, I want to talk about the written word, which directs us and guides us to the living word, which is Jesus Christ. From my observation over the years and from my own life, I know and I sense that there's a struggle to spend time in God's word. From my observation, there's a lack of getting into God's word and reading God's word. As I talk to people and as I see people, being so preoccupied and so busy. And even the polls show that. There's a recent poll which indicates that 35% of born-again Christians do not read the Bible at all. 35%. And then the 65%, the rest of those who say, the majority of those who only hear and read the Word of God on Sunday morning for that one hour where they hear the preacher preach or the words are read. We as Americans, North Americans, Americans and Canadians, we are biblical illiterate. Biblically illiterate. And we need to change that. I really believe that. I was in Africa a couple years ago And the people, they just have a hunger for the Word of God. They have a hunger for a Bible in their hands. I had two or three Bibles along. 
And I gave him away because they were fighting over him. They wanted him because they didn't have God's word there. And they knew how important and valuable it was to them. And so this morning I want to just uh, look at a passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 4, starting at verse 1. And bef- but before I go into that, and I'm sure you've seen it on the bulletin, I've titled my message, Man Shall Not Live By... Oh, just wait. I think my phone is vibrating. Ah, just my wife texted me, or Facebook to see if my zipper's closed. No, but you know that's how that's how we that's how we are with with uh, communicating like Facebook. I mean, we you can sit beside each other and you're you're Facebooking each other or texting each other. Man shall not live by Facebook alone. And I've taken this passage of scripture and I've just kind of modified it a little bit, and 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 I I think not to I don't think it's I'm doing it injustice. But it, it talks about Jesus being tempted. And Jesus is being tempted and, and the devil comes to him and then he says, uh, Jesus has been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And he says, the devil comes and says, or Jesus says, I'm hungry. And the devil says, well, turn these stones into bread and eat. And then Jesus says, no, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You see, the word of God, the scriptures are even more important than physical food. And just as we need physical food to feed our bodies and to stay alive, we need the spiritual Word of God. We need the written Word of God. But coming back to this theme, man shall not live by Facebook alone. By the end of this year, they're saying that there will be one billion users that are on Facebook. That's one-sixth of the world population, or one-seventh will be using Facebook. Facebook users spend about 10.5 billion minutes a day. People are about... 10.5 billion minutes a day are on Facebook. You see, it's evident that there's an increase in technology and all these things that these devices and iPhones and Internet and Google and... Kind of Google's outdated already, right? But now, now the Facebook is the crave. Or the, the, the craze. It is evidence that there's a decrease in spending time in the Word, but an increase in spending time on Facebooking. My question to you this morning is, how many minutes of those 10.5 billion minutes are you on Facebook compared to in the Word of God? Spending time reading God's Word to you. Studying it memorizing, meditating God's own words to you and me. Now, I'm not against Facebook. And I hope you don't get that from this sermon that I'm against Facebook. I'm just using that to make a point. Because I, I myself have a Facebook account. I go on there so a uh, few times. Well, sometimes I, I, I go once a week or something like that. But I go f- sometimes a few times a day. But I just want to get your attention What things are distracting you from getting into the Bible? It can be anything. What are you feeding yourself with? As a Christian, you call yourself a Christian, what are you feeding yourself with? If you're never in the Word of God, I wonder how you are doing. 
I wonder how you are doing. And I look at my own life, and when I, when I am not in God's Word, I struggle like crazy. But as I get into the Word, there's, God speaks to me, and He comforts me, and he, and he challenges me. And it gives me hope, and it gives me strength to move on. Jesus in our passage said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, it's not just Facebook, but it can be our work. Man shall not live by work alone. You see, it's not just work or Facebook, but it can be television. And I probably, this is one of my downfalls. When I have some spare time, when, I, when I'm tired and I get home from a meeting or something like that, the first thing I'd like to go is just into the basement and lay horizontal on the couch and turn the TV on. And I know I do that too much. That is my downfall. What is your downfall? Is it sports? Is it work? Is it leisure? Is it family? All these things can take you away from God's Word. John 10.10 says, Jesus says, I have come that they might have life and to have it to the full. You see, our world, our whole life is enhanced and, and affected when we feed our life with God's Word. The Word of God contains the power to transform us. I mean, I think we need to understand that. The Word, the written Word, used by the Holy Spirit, can transform us. And yet, we want to be transformed. We want to love more. We want to have victory over sin. We want to, we want to witness. We want to grow. Whatever it is, we want to be better people. But we fail to feed ourselves. We fail to get into what we know we need to do. And so this morning, I want to use a number of Scripture passages just kind of to show us what the Bible says about growing in the Word. And by that I mean by spending time in God's Word. David Soller says this, The Bible is the only mirror we can stare into, and it actually causes us to get better looking. The Bible is the only mirror where we can look into, and it causes us to start looking better, acting better. Every other mirror, we always see all the flaws, and it, it, we just, it can't make us even look better. And so I want to take a number of Scripture passages this morning and just show us what the Bible says about the Word. First of all, I'd like to say, we need the Word to be born again. And all of us know, those who have been born again, those who've come to know Christ as their personal Savior, we know it was through the Word. And if we want others to be saved, we know that we have to share the Word to them, and then, then the Spirit will use that Word and take that Word and change them. 1 Peter 1, verse 23 to 25 says this, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring Word of God. All, for all men are like grass, and their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. But the Word of the Lord stands forever, and this is the Word that was preached to you. Peter talking to his hearers and telling it was through the Word of God that you were born again. Not perishable seed, but imperishable. The living and enduring Word of God. As a Christian, I'm sure you want to grow. But if you want to grow 
And to become like Christ, you need to be in the Word. 1 Peter 2.1 Therefore rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. How? Like newborn babes, crave pure spiritual milk, so that you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. If you want to know Jesus, you want to know what Jesus is like, you want to know how to, how to act like Jesus and walk like Jesus in his footsteps, John 5, 39 to 40 says, You diligently study the scriptures because you think by them you possess eternal life, but these are the scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. You see, the scriptures, and specifically the gospels, and even in the Old Testament, they all point to Jesus. They tell you about who Jesus is and what he is like. <clears throat> if you want to have faith, you hear so many people and say, I wish I had more faith. I wish I could believe. I wish I could just, just trust more. God for my needs. Where do you go for that? You go to the Word of God. The Bible says, without faith it is impossible to please God. Hebrews 11 verse 6. But Hebrews, or Romans 10, 17 says, Consequently, faith comes through hearing the message of the Word. And the message is heard through the Word of Christ. You want to grow in faith? Get in the Word. Get the Word in you. Memorize it. Study it. Read it. Get familiar with it. If you want to keep from sinning, how many of us would like to be free from sin and not give in to temptation? Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. Psalm 119, verse 11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Hiding God's word in our hearts. Memorizing and knowing what it says. If you want to experience God's love and to live in obedience. 1 John 2 verse 5 says, If anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. And we could go on if you want to live a godly life. 2 Peter chapter 1 talks about the promises that have been given to us. But the promises are contained in here. They don't just come automatically to your mind and to your heart. We need to know them. These are the promises that God has given us. And we find them in here to have victory and to have a life that pleases God. Just a few other verses that I think <clears throat> talk about the importance of the Word of God. Hebrews 4.12 For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Could it be because of this? Maybe we're not going to the Word. We're afraid that it's going to judge us. Maybe we're afraid it's going to poke us and, and really discover what's inside. All Scripture, says Paul, is God-breathed. It is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. These are just a few of the scriptures that talk about the importance of getting the Word in us and us spending time in the Word. 
Before I go into that passage in Matthew chapter 4, how do we do this? We take time. We realize the importance of it. And we sacrifice maybe some sleep. We sacrifice some leisure time. We sacrifice maybe some work around the yard. We sacrifice maybe trying to get rich. Or whatever it is. But we take time. Matthew chapter 6, and where, where Jesus talks about how we are to pray, he says, go and close the door. Go in secret and pray to your Father. And I think that's what we need to do with God's Word. Is we need to take time and go by ourselves. Spend an hour, spend two hours reading and praying and asking God to reveal His Word to us. I know for myself, I find the best time in the morning is to just to force myself to get up. It is so comfortable to sleep in bed a few minutes or an hour longer. But instead I choose to get up an hour or two earlier and go by myself. And you know what? Very often it's pretty cold getting into the Word. There's no, there's no words. But you open the Word and you begin reading. And you begin just crying out to God and say, God, I know you're there. It doesn't matter how cold I feel. And, but I know that you're waiting for me to come. And you want to speak to me. And, and, and I guarantee you that he will speak to your heart. Matthew chapter 4, 1 to 11. And I won't take time to read those words. And I want to challenge you from now on to bring your Bible Sunday morning. I know some people like it on here. And I like it on, here, on there too because of my eyesight. If I don't have my glasses, I can't see hardly my Bible. But I would encourage you to come. It's something about holding the written word in our hands, to open it, and it develops a habit where, you, where at home you don't have to look for a screen to, to read the, the Bible, but you pick up your Bible and you read it. So Matthew chapter 4, we have the story of Jesus' temptation by the devil. And it, I think it teaches us here how Jesus overcame. It was not because of who he was, but because of how he, because of what he knew of the scriptures. In all three temptations here, it says that Jesus, when the devil came to him and, and offered him something and, and tempted him with, uh, with certain things, Jesus says, it is written. It is written. It is written in the Word. And, and he had the Old Testament Scriptures. And he said, because it is written in here, I believe it. And, and he knew it. And he said, because of that, I can resist temptation. And so another big reason for us to know the Word is to resist the temptation of the devil. You know what? He loves to accuse us. He loves to tempt us. And we need to know how to stand against him. 1 John 2 verse 14 says, I write to you young men because you are strong. And the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. How did they overcome? Because the word of God lives in you. You know, this is one of the greatest things to have victory over the devil is we need to know the Word and to be in the Word. The devil knows how powerful the Word of God is. And that is his downfall. That is his defeat and he knows it. And therefore, he will try to keep you away from it. He will try everything. He will try to get you to spend a lot of time on your Facebook so that you're not in the Word. He will try to keep you at work. He will try to make you sleepy. I talked to somebody the, somebody the other day, and every time I read the Word, within 10 minutes, 
He says, my eyes are starting to droop and I want to fall asleep. You know what? That's an attack of the devil trying to keep you from God's living word. He knows how powerful the word is and he will do whatever he can to keep us from it. We are in a battle. And I think you know it. I don't think I have to tell you, but you're in a battle. But this is, this is one of our weapons. This is our sword. This is our, our shield. This is our protection from the evil one. In our passage, we have three temptations that Jesus is tempted with. And I would like to suggest from this passage in Matthew 4, there's three ways that Satan tempts and attacks us to keep us from his word. The first one is, the devil will try to distract you, distract us from the word. And as I said before, he will, give, will put any, all kinds of things in your path. Certain activities, which are not bad in themselves, but if they keep you busy and distracted from God, then he has won the victory. Then he's laughing all the way to the bank. One of the most common things I hear about people when, I, when we talk about how much time do you spend in the Word, and I even look at myself and I say, well, I don't really have time. Is that really true? I think we need to prioritize. We need to take time if we see the value of it. If not, the devil will give us plenty other options that will make no contribution to our relationship with God. Secondly, the devil will try to deceive you with the Word. The Bible says he comes masquerading as an angel of light. And here in this passage we see that he even quotes scripture. He takes the written word and he quotes it to Jesus. And in this, in this uh, temptation, it says here, Then the devil took him to the holy city, and he had him stand on the highest point of the temple. He says, If you are the Son of God, then throw yourself down, because it is written, God has promised that if you fall... He will protect you. He will catch you and you will not even dash your foot against a stone. But Jesus knows that because that, we're not to test the Lord. And he, so he, he, he says back to the devil, he says, It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. The devil will come and will place things in front of us try to deceive you into thinking that God is not good. He will give you a passage of scripture which talks about maybe Isaiah chapter 53 where it talks about by his stripes you are healed and then all of a sudden you will have cancer and he'll say well look at that scripture I mean is, does, can, is God really good or can God really heal or because it says here now look at you uh, God must not love you God must not care for you and he takes one scripture and he takes a passage or a thought and he gives it to you but he doesn't and he keeps you from the other things from, this, from the word that, that you should know. As I was preparing for this I came across a, a, a person that was blogging and, and just talking about how, how defeated they were and asking the question why does God not help me? And his blog went like this, and, his, and he was asking for help. And, and what I want to say with this, I'm, I was surprised at, at what kind of responses. The majority, there could have been 50 or 60 responses, and most of them were very negative. 
I've prayed to God so many times that it's come to the point to where I am afraid He doesn't care. I pray that He would help me. I pray that He would help me get a job, and that I've been trying for for so long, and it never happens. It has come. It has come down to the point where money troubles are ripping my marriage apart. Why won't He help me? I know that the best prayer is an unanswered one, and that He has a plan for all of us. But His plan needs to change; otherwise, my life will be ruined. I know that it is wrong to question God and to have wavering faith. But after all, this is uh, this is. After all of this, I've done my best to try to keep in good spirits. I know that God also does not hear those who have sinned, as I have come to understand from the Bible, but all man has sinned. I fear I have fallen off God's path, and that's why He will not help me. Can someone please tell me what I'm doing wrong? I've gone through more trials than I would like to remember, but He must know that I am breaking not only physically, but also spiritually, and yet He allows this to continue what I'm doing wrong. Now, what kind of advice would you give this person? You would tell them to go to the scriptures, to look at the promises that are contained there, and to claim them for yourself. But here are the responses that were given to him. What you are doing wrong is looking for help in a non-existent being. Try standing on your own two feet and taking charge of your own life for once. You will be surprised at how quickly things will improve. Or he doesn't exist. Put down your Bible and do something proactive to get in money and save your marriage. Don't just hope someone else will fix things for you. And you see, these are the things that, that, that the devil tries to place in front of you when you're struggling. Say, oh, God is not good. God can't help you. Just go do it on your own. And, or, or go do this or that. But I know the answer is in God's word and the power of his spirit. Then lastly, the devil will try to delight you with the things of this world. And how we don't know it here in North America. How he bombards us with things, with the things of this world, to attract us to those things. And he says, oh, this will feel good. This will, this will make you happier. And we try to get those things. He dangles them in front of us like, an, like, a, like a tasty apple or banana or whatever it is. And he lures us with those things. But we need to realize those things don't have lasting value. The Bible says that the Word of God will last forever. And so we need to sacrifice. We need to give up those things. Jesus says, my words will never pass away. These are the words of eternal life. The psalmist says, delight yourself in the Lord. He says, I love your law. They are sweeter than honey to my lips. They are more precious than silver or gold. What am I delighting in? What are you delighting in? I want to challenge you in these next days to force yourself to feed yourself with His Word, to get into the Word, and to believe that your life will be transformed. I want to close with a story. And by this story, I just want to, want to say that don't just do it because I've said it this morning. I trust that God has been speaking to your heart. And you're sitting there and say, yeah, I know. I've been neglecting the word and prayer, and I need to get back into it. And hopefully this is just a little push. But this story, I just want to share it and then 
make a few comments about that. There was this young man. He was a salesman. He was selling Bibles. Well, there was not just one man, but there was a whole group. And as they were walking house to house selling Bibles, and they did this for a whole week, and then they got together, and they, they talked about how many Bibles they had sold. And as they came, as they were talking together, one by one they shared, they hadn't, most of them hadn't sold very many. Maybe one or two people had bought a Bible. But this young man, he stepped up and he said, and we need to, and to, to know he was a real stutter. He, he, he could har- hardly get the words out. And, and so he said that every place I went to, I sold a Bible. And he says, I've sold lots of Bibles. And they said, well, how did you do it? Well, he said, when I went to the door, I said to the people, do you want me to, you want to buy a Bible or do you want me to read it to you? And so right away, the, Bible, the people, they just didn't want him to read it to him, but they bought a Bible. I think in years gone by, I mean, in my teenage years, I stuttered like anything. I would have sold lots of Bibles. I never thought of that. But, but let's, not just, let's not just read the Bible because, or, or, or pick up a Bible because we have to. But let's pick up a Bible and realize and understand the importance of it. Just some of the verses that I've shared this morning. You want to grow? Get into the Word. You want to be a better person? Get into the Word. You want to know Jesus? Get into the Word. You want to be a wise person? Get into the Word. You want to prosper? Get into the Word. How important the Word of God is. You see, Facebook was created to connect with one another so that we could connect with each other. And what a beautiful way it is. We connect with old friends and across the world and wherever. But you see, God wants to Facebook with us. He has given us His Word to connect with you and me. Let's start Facebooking with God, and He will connect with you in a very real way. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your truth. And we thank You for the written Word. God, which I believe is, is, is Your living Word to us. It is, it is the life that we live. It is the word that makes us alive through the power of the Holy Spirit. And and God, I don't know how the Spirit can work if we don't have the word in us. Because it it is through those words that you have given that he speaks to us. And he encourages us. And he challenges us. And he tells us that we are your own. Father, I pray that each one of us, God, that we may take up this challenge to sit and to read, and to take time for you to speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen.